Now this part I'm really excited about. Shortly I'm going to be handing over to Pete who's going to be interviewing Gavin McKenna who is a loved member of Skylark Church but he is also a dear personal friend of mine for over 11 years. And what I can say about Gavin is that he is a man after God's own heart, who puts God first in everything that he does. And we're gonna hear a bit more about Gavin's story, about how God has transformed his life and how he uses his life experiences to impart life, wisdom and encouragement into the younger generation across this nation. So open your hearts, Open your minds to receive what God is going to say in and through this interview. Over to you, Pete. Well, hi, everyone. How are you doing? Thanks, FA, for the introduction. Today, I am joined by Gavin McKenna, who is actually part of our church family at Skylark Church. Him and his family have been part of the church for two years now, just over. And it's a real privilege to be interviewing Gav. He is the founding director of Reach Every Generation, which is an organisation that offers hope, and opportunity to young people who are caught up in crime and violence. So Gav, thank you for being with us today. Really Thanks appreciate having it. Me, okay, I uh, want to talk about following Jesus. That's been our theme for the last couple of months. And I want to start with this first question. See, we've been looking at following Jesus for over two months now. And I know that you follow him passionately, but that hasn't always been your story, has it? Can you tell us a little bit about your life before you knew Jesus? Yeah, sure. So um, my earliest memory growing up was um, just violence. You know, I grew up in a, in a home where domestic violence was, was just was every day. You know, and my earliest memories are of just being afraid. Um, I was never secure. I never felt secure. Um, many people talk about their childhood. So I remember went to the beach or I had a cuddle. I don't remember hugs. I don't remember kisses. I don't remember going to school. I just lived in refuges for about six years, in and out of different refuges for six years, fleeing domestic violence. Um, my dad was, was violent towards myself and my mum. And th I think that really underpinned who I would become in my later years. And so my, I remember just feeling fearful about everything. I think I was scared of my own shadow at one point. And, you know, it was me and my mum, um, no extended family. There was no one else around. Um, I was mixed race growing up in a predominantly white area. So my dad is of Pakistani descent or Indian, South Asian descent. And my mom is Irish, white Irish. And so it was tricky navigating that world at that time because I was, I had two sisters at that time who were also white from a separate relationship. And then it was just me, the only boy, the only one of color. Um, and East London in the nineties wasn't, wasn't a tolerant place for people like me. So it was very tough. Um, and I was scared. I just remember, honestly, I was so scared. Um, no security. I didn't feel safe. I went to like seven different primary schools. Um, and life just was really hard. So if I fast forward into my older years, I think that fear of being victimized again, um, that fear of being different pushed me to be um, angry. You know, that fear turned into anger. Um, and I just had, a, had an epiphany one day. I was about 10 years old and I was in my bedroom playing FIFA. I think it was 97, FIFA 97. None of the te technology we've got now. Um, and I was playing it and I had bang on the door. And it was, a, it, was a, a, it was a common thing for the door to go and my dad to turn up and look at me and stuff. So I was like, Ooh, what's that? Jumped out the window. And as I looked out the window, there was a guy that was fighting two brothers and got stabbed in the head with a fork. And I just froze and I was just looking in shock and then the ambulance came and it was just chaotic. 
And from that moment, I said to myself, wow, like, life is really scary. People are really dangerous. Um, and that's when it changed for me. I started to be more physically violent. So I'll just have punch-ups in primary school because I just had no way of channeling my emotions. I was so emotional. Um, I just didn't know how to manage it. I'd fight in school. And then prim secondary school, um, yeah, it got worse. I got bullied in the first year because I was moving around different schools. I had no friends. So I went to this school um, in East London and near Forest Gate. And some guys, older guys, tried to rob me in my first day, year 10, picked me up with my rucksack, shaking, give me your money. I said, I ain't got no money. Um, and then the next day, I took a knife into school. I said, I'm not going to go through five years of bullying. Um, and I threatened him. I said, if you do that again. And then I gained the respect of the wrong crowd, as it were. Um, and bro, from there, it just went on. I lived in environments that was geared towards violence and, and crime. And that was what that was what discipled me, as it were. I was raised around crime, drug dealers and gang members. And so if, for me, I felt I had very little choice other than to be just like them. You know, they were my role models and that's all that was on offer for me. So by the time I was 19, I would, I would, I'd been shot at, I'd been arrested numerous times, never charged for any crimes. Um, casual smoker of cannabis, you know, just the base, the stuff that comes with that life. Um, and yeah, what they would call a gang member. So for me, the main thing, if I could summarize my life before Christ would be fear, anxiety and depression. I was so low, but I had an out exterior that made you scared of me. So I wasn't scared no more. And that would, that would summarize my, my life before Christ. Wow. Thanks, Gav. Thanks for being so honest with us and telling us that story. That's, it's an incredible story. And, you know, you talk about that fear and that anxiety and that depression. And although many people listening won't experience it in the same way you did, and it won't have led to the same outcomes, they'll know what that feels like to be yeah. fearful, to be anxious and to feel depressed. And your story is one of hope, isn't it? So, okay, that's setting the scene for us brilliantly. Thank you for that. So what happened? How did you come to find Jesus? This is my favorite bit. So um, I remember I was living in Ilford at the time. I had a flat. Um, my mum and my relationship was very fractured. Um, yeah, it wasn't great. And I, I got kicked out at 17, um, just turning 18, got a flat um, in Ilford near Valentine's Park. Um, and um, yeah, I was there. I met a guy. Um, I went to a mental health assessment. That's what happened. So they said, oh, Gavin has trauma from his childhood. So they put me into a mental health assessment. Um, as I hit 18, I come out of adolescence. I went there and then the lady said, oh, yeah, it says on your record you're a gang member. And I said, no, that's not, that's not how I identify myself. Oh, it says you carry weapons. No. And then she said, have you ever? I said, yeah. And then that was it. The meeting was over. I was chucked out. My phone rang the same day and it was a guy called Colm Whitty. And he rang me and he was like, look, I run a football club called Air Football. Would you like to come and play football? And I was like, what? Play football? Like, nah, bro. Like, I don't know what this guy wants, who this guy is. Long story short, he like, I'll come and meet you. So we met up and he was the biggest guy I've ever seen. Like, and he was like fake tanned up, he's like big white teeth. And he just said to me, look, come, I'll make, I'll make you a good footballer, you know, we'll play football. I went there and it was probably the bridge between the gap I met a young man called Jermaine at that place. Um, and we started off as peers. We would work out together, we'd smoke and drink together, just chill out together. And one day he came back to my flat and he was like, yeah, bro, I'm going to church. And I said, what? He said, I'm going to church. I said, you're mad, bro. I'm not going to church. Like, church is old people and pews, bro. Like, that's not my kind of scene, isn't it? Like, he said, no, this church is sick, bro. You can come as you are. I said, I don't have a suit. I ain't going. Anyway, 
my idea of church was really warped and um, I don't know where I got it from to be honest because I didn't even know about Jesus and the resurrection of Christ I didn't know that I, I think I don't know what I thought and I went to City Gates Church in Ilford which was in a cinema at the time and I was thinking this guy's taking me cinema man what's this guy up to so we went in now and um, I remember just walking in and everyone was so friendly and I was like what are these up to man this is some happy clappy business I've just got no time for this man and then I went in, it was around Christmas 2009, 23rd of December. And I went into the cinema and it was like the most overwhelming feeling I've ever had because there was music, people jumping, clapping. I'll go take your seat here, sir. Thinking, sir, like, what? So I sat down and I was like, bro, I'm feeling this music, you know, this is kind of heavy, man. Like, so I sat there and I, I tried to play cool, bro. I sat like this, like looking in the corner, like I'm not, I'm not getting up. I'm too cool for that. And the word began, and I remember thinking, like, this is boring, man. Like, what's this guy? And I was on my phone, and then he said one thing. He said, in life, we have negative voices and positive voices. And I looked up at that point, and I thought, what's he talking about? And he said, like, it could be your mom, your dad, this, your that. And he said, but Christ is that positive voice, that voice of hope. And it grabbed me, bro. I was like, in that moment, I think I was 20, and I said to myself, I don't have no positive in my life. And it just shone a light on how negative my life was. And so when he preached that message, I just remember I was just crying, man. Uh, and I know people say that, and I I'm not one to cry, bro, but I just felt so hopeless. I thought the fact that I, I just have nothing. And so I went to the front, we said a prayer, and that's when the journey began for me, man. That's when I accepted Christ into my life. Um, yeah, man. Wow. Every part of your story is so fascinating. Um, so since following Jesus, you've been on an amazing journey and you've done some amazing things, haven't you? It's been incredible. Um, how has following Jesus brought new purpose to your life? And can you tell us more about how God has taken your past experiences and used them to reach out and help others beyond yourself? Yeah, um, well, since meeting Jesus, this is, this is even, my, even more of my favourite bit. I think... It's a journey that continues. Let me start where I am now, you know. It's a journey that, 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 that hasn't ended yet. Um, I, bro, I'm overwhelmed, man. I can't pretend, I can't sweeten it up that I'm overwhelmed. There's days where I, I don't feel worthy, where I wake up and I look at the house I live in and the wife I have and the kids I have and, and, and the one that's coming, um, the, the companies that we run, you know, the social enterprise and the business and, you know, nominated for awards and the friends and the family I have. Honestly, I... I just feel scared, so scared sometimes because I just think, how is this even possible? And yeah, man, the very, from I followed Christ, I think I gave my life to the Lord about 10 times in the first three months. I think I had to, I felt like I had to keep going back. Yeah. Like, hey, are you sure you accepted me? It's, it's, oh man, but I swore yesterday, man, am I okay? And then one day someone said to me like, bro, you've done, you've given your heart to him. Now build a relationship with him. And 10 years on, 11 years on, I'm still trying to build that relationship, man. And so the opportunities that come from that, if I'm honest with you, and I always tell people this, because bro, I share my faith wherever I go with no hesitation. And I think, always tell people this is that what being a Christian did for me or becoming a Christian did for me was open me up to a world of, of, of people that I never ever had access to before. So it almost acted as an alliance. So like Christ brought me in and I, I genuinely felt the warmth of a family when I became a Christian because People just wanted to invest in me. My first book I read in the Bible was Job. And I went to my pastor and was like, yo, bruv, I don't want to be like this guy, you know? And he's like cracking up laughing, saying, look, it's not like that. And so 
the opportunity for me to read the Bible and see another life was the first point. And then that was hope. Yeah. And the opportunity to access people that have been before me was the opportunity to grow in Christ. And so since being a Christian, I can honestly say to you, I've, I went through a program called Teen Challenge because basically I was sitting in church one day and someone came with a firearm and threatened to take my life while I was in the service in City Gates. Um, and the leader of that program, Javier, was like, look, I know you're not a drug addict and you're safe, but this could be respite for you. So I went there for 18 months. That was the first opportunity I had to break away from that life. Second was I went to Nottingham um, and that was beautiful. I had experience with people up there. Then I went to Scotland and worked for a month and I saw life in a different view up there. The, the drug pandemic and the knife crime pandemic was years before England. And so I, I managed to witness that 10 years ago. Um, and then I came out and my good friend Rob let me live with him. So I had an opportunity to see how marriage life works. Um, and then I got a job. My now mother-in-law gave me my first job um, at 23. I got that job and I had opportunities to excel. Two jobs later, I'm now here doing my own project. So opportunities have been endless and I think where I am now is I have an opportunity to break the cycle of destruction over my life and my children's life and I think that's if, if anything I thank God for is for sparing me when he did because now my children don't have to have the same testimony as I do they, they have a, an understanding of what it means to have a father and I don't um, so yeah man since since being a Christian them opportunities in personal development have been great but actually God's opened doors man just getting to know people, you yeah. know, and just yeah. having a message of hope for people. People are drawn to that. I don't go out there going like, I am a Christian, hallelujah. No, I just, listen, man, how are you doing? You okay? Have you ever heard of hope and opportunity? Whoa, that's new. And then people want to know, why are you like that? How did you change? And then that's when I hit them with the gospel. So, bro, where I am now, my wife, you know, she's, she's the hinge to the door, man. I'm the big, big loud one, but the Lord has provided me with an incredible wife and help me and, and someone that just sustains me. My children are a blessing and that's what I'm truly grateful for. That's what I'm truly grateful for. Without them, it wouldn't be possible. So the opportunity to be a father and a husband is the biggest thing that I've, I've been given because boy, it would never have happened. I'd have been dead or in prison by now, so. Wow, wow, incredible. The whole of the story unfolding is, is remarkable. And now then, as I said at the beginning, you are running this organization called Reach Every Generation. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, um, so Reach Every Generation or Reg, because it's a mouthful. Um, I've got an interesting fact for you, I won't be long. Rhea, before we got married, was Rhea Esther Grant. And I was sitting down one day when we were just courting, you know, and we lived separate. And I was thinking, what am I going to call my company? I'm going to call my company. And then I was like, Reach Every Gang Member, Reach Every... Nah. But it came out of Rhea Esther Grant. Her initial, I called her Reg instead of Rhea. I used to call her Reg. And so I named the company Reg after Rio. So yeah, it's interesting. But um, I was in the kitchen one day um, and for the young kids, don't do this, but I was drinking a beer. I had one beer and I was thinking, I was thinking, all oh, right, uh, this job I'm in isn't working out, you know? Um, and the Lord was really good and took another opportunity. I, I got made redundant uh, one month before my contract was due to end. So like, they just got rid of me and that was it. And Rhea was eight months pregnant with our daughter, Aurelia, who's now four. Um, and yeah, I had no, no job. I had no form of income. I was living at my in-laws house, just married, a baby coming and I have no job. And so reach every generation had to work and we prayed and sought God. And we said, please give us the wisdom and, and the ability to, to make this work. And so we started off by doing training 
um, for professionals. This is what gangs are about. Um, this is serious violence. This is my experience. And I literally sold my testimony. That is literally what happened. God just opened doors where I was just given, and I've been on Sky News and people knew my profile and BBC Three. And God just elevated that back to life. He rose that up and said, like, go. And I went and shared it. And honestly, from that point on, Reach Every Generation has now reached over 100,000 young people in four years um, across the UK. Um, we've now partnered with an organization in Tanzania and East Africa. We do training videos and send them out once a month for the, them to be outreach workers as um, Christian outreach workers for street kids. Um, we've done training, as I said, across the country for over 70,000 professionals in the last four years. We do assemblies. We've got Yasmin working with us with the young girls. We've got a friend of mine who was what we call in the in the world of gangs, if you like. I use the term gang loosely, but um, younger. He was a young guy for me that was looking up to me in the wrong way. He now works with us. He's a mentor for us. Um, and we've got two full-time staff, four full-time staff. So amongst the two companies, um, our influence is strong. We sit with MPs on a monthly basis discussing policy and looking at criminal justice reform for the country like we can influence policy so yeah reach every generation literally stands just to offer hope and opportunity we want to be coaches and mentors and support for young people that are disadvantaged um and we just thank god man because the opportunities and doors he's opened have been it's been incredible again hence why i feel so unworthy sometimes man but his grace you know, i'm so grateful wow that is that is truly incredible and you know, when, when we hear the story of how it all began and that transformational time in the cinema with City Gates Church yeah, yeah. And, and, and how it's unfolded since then, isn't it incredible how God can recycle things that appear ruined and broken and unusable? And in fact, he yeah. can bring such beauty out of those things. So to anybody who's watching this today who feels like their past is going to define their future away from Jesus because you know, he, I'm too bad for Jesus. I've done too much stuff. He won't be interested in me. Take courage from Gav's story because this is a beautiful story of redemption where God has brought back a life and is doing phenomenal things with it. It's so incredible. Gav, what advice would you give to anyone today who hasn't yet started their relationship with Jesus but is listening and thinking, I don't know, maybe this could be real. What, you know, I, I want to find out a bit more. What advice would you give to those people? I would say just take the first step because people think that committing to Christ is the hard part. That's the easy part. I think the, the hardest part is, is, is walking that journey, you know, and it is, it's, it's beautiful because I, do you know what people used to say to me was this is, is never underestimate what God can do with you. And this was an invisible God. I came from a place where physical people were a threat and were horrible and had ulterior motives. My father was a horrendous human being. And so, I was offered that. I don't want to know about Father God. I don't want to know about all of this. But actually, I, I, I honestly, I, I don't know. I don't know how, what to say other than take the first step. You won't be disappointed, man. Like, yeah. My life is not out of reach for you. you know? God, God loves you individually. And I think what I've come to realize in the journey I've had to go on is understanding that I'm lovable and that no matter what I've done, I can be forgiven. And so I'm still trying to forgive myself. You know, God forgave me a long time ago and I'm still trying to forgive myself. But, and the people he provides, you know, I, I, I have no family, my mom and my sisters and my dad I don't talk to, but the Lord has replaced tenfold 
I have a mother and father-in-law. I have brothers and sisters-in-laws, ten nieces and nephews. That is crazy. And so my advice would be: don't let nothing hold you back, man. Listen to your heart, um, and it'll be the best thing you ever do, man. And I, I listen. I, I want to be honest. It won't be easy, but it'll be the most rewarding thing you ever do. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you. Yes. That's such great, great, great advice for all of us, actually, that we can just take that next little step of faith. We don't need to know what the end of the road looks like, what the journey's going to unfold. God knows that stuff. We don't need to. Our response can just be to, to take the next step. And so if that's something you'd like to do, I know later on FA's going to pray and give you an opportunity to give your heart to Jesus. So um, where can people find out a little bit more, Gav, about uh, Reach Every Generation? And how can we support you in prayer? What would you like us to pray for for you? Um, you can find out about us. We've got Twitter. Um, we have a website that's under construction, but you can check it out. It's reacheverygeneration.com in Google. We've got Instagram. Um, and if you see me around when we're back, you can come and speak to me. You can email me, whatever. I'm very approachable. Um, and prayer... I think, yeah, man, we, we need prayer. I think me and Rhea, as my wife, we run this together um, and only by his grace. You know, we work together, live together, and it works. We get on, you know, we're both very passionate. Rhea is, like I said, she's the, she's the rock that registers on you know, and I, I, apart from Jesus, you know, but um, pray for us, please, that our arms don't get tired. Rhea is, is, is the fervently working in the background and always making things happen, which I appreciate. So pray for her. I pray, my prayer for her is that she won't grow tired and that she would feel fulfilled, you know. Uh, for me, that both of us, we can emotionally shut off because we're dealing with some some horrendous cases, children that are neglected or, or attacked with knives. It's the serious stuff that we're dealing with, kids in prison. So yeah, just, just pray for us, man, that we would have the covering of God that will always be protected but emotionally that we will be able to shut off when we can um, and pray for our young people. We're working in Basildon, Brentwood, um, Chelmsford, um, Harlow. Yeah, so just pray, just pray, you know, just pray for us that we'll have the words and, and, and the covering for the young people. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're going to come into land very soon, but I'm going to pray those things over you now. So let's pray. Yeah. Lord, I thank you so much for Gav for his story, for the way that you've turned his life around and you've brought him into a family who love him and you have given him hope and opportunity and he's able to give that hope and opportunity to other people. And so, Lord, we pray for him, we pray for Rhea and the family. Lord, Nikki and I know what it's like to work together, live together, do life together. And so, Lord, I just pray blessing on, on that relationship. I pray that they'll have times to just be husband and wife and hang out and have some fun together. I pray, Lord, when they've got those heavy situations they're dealing with, that it won't weigh them down, but they'll have a way to, to bring it all to you and give it to you and leave it at your feet because you are so good at carrying that stuff. Lord, I pray for doors to open, for opportunities for Reach Every Generation and for Gav and for whatever else he hasn't even dared to dream of yet. I pray for those doors to open and for opportunities to come. I thank you that he is shaping policy. He is changing lives. And Lord, would you continue to do that in his life? And would he be absolutely blown away by what you have got in store? And Lord, mm. every time he's feeling like he's got weak knees or his arms are heavy, Lord, we as a church family and as people listening who aren't even part of Skylight Church, we agree today that we are going to support you, Gav. We're going to support you, Rhea, and reach every generation. We're going to hold your arms up and we are going to cheer you on and we are here for you. 
So Lord, would you, would you bless this work and bless Gavin, the family in Jesus name. Amen. Well, thank you very much, Gav. It has been an absolute pleasure to do this interview with you. And uh, I'm going to hand back to F.A. Thank you Gavin and thank you Pete for that incredible interview. Thank you for opening up your heart and sharing what God has done in and through your life. I find it always incredible to hear how God can take an ordinary life, sometimes even a damaged life or a broken life and when he steps into it he can bring healing and transformation and make something that was ordinary into something so extraordinary and he wants to do that through my life and through your life. Um, that's so such, such a great thing to hear. And also you mentioned about people who want to make that first step and that invitation is available for you today. If you are wanting to make Jesus Lord of your life, if you want to start this journey as a follower of Jesus, it would be my honour and my privilege to pray with you in these next few moments. So let's do that. If you want to make the first time commitment to start this journey of faith, I'd love to pray with you. So all you need to do is to close your eyes, and to open your heart and repeat the words that I'm just about to say. Let's go. Dear Jesus, I thank you. I thank you that you are the son of God. I thank you that you came and you died for my sins and that you rose again. Lord, I acknowledge that my heart was far from you. I acknowledge the wrong things that I've done in my life. But today, I choose to live for you. Today, I choose to become a follower of Jesus. Today, I choose to accept the gift of salvation. Jesus, come into my heart. Be Lord of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, amen and congratulations to you if you've prayed that prayer for the first time. We are so excited for you and what God is going to do in and through your life. Please let us know. Get in touch with Skylark Church because we'd love to equip you and help you and encourage you along your journey of faith. All that's left for me to say is please join us tonight for our prayer and worship night. It starts at 7pm on Zoom. Please get on and let's continue praying and worshipping as a church family. Have a fantastic Sunday and we'll have a great week and see you soon. God bless.